A billion years ago, there was nothing but space. Then one of God's wet farts blew all the planets in place. There were no signs of life on Mars or Venus, but planet Earth was blessed with two baby geniuses. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Hello, Hello babies. babies! Welcome to Baby Geniuses. I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Thanks for listening to our show, and happy 4th of July, Lisa. Oof, not feeling it this year. <laughs> <laughs> not feeling it this year? Not feeling free? Yeah. Government's making you wear a mask? Feel- yeah, that's right. <laughs> Those are the real issue. <laughs> it's my right to be stupid <laughs> in public and to threaten other americans um Ugh. yeah no it's a very weird it's a very weird fourth of july yeah it's a strange one i don't feel like particularly patriotic this year yeah i mean i never really do but this year in particular it feels <sighs> tough although it does feel i i will say like i do feel proud of uh how the conversation has changed yeah. In America recently. I do think that like more people are sharing Frederick Douglass's Independence Day speech. Yeah. Than um, you know, other generic jingoistic um, pro-America crap. Yeah. People are it's it's kind of amazing how suddenly these like huge institutions and monuments feel permeable in a way they didn't before. Like I was just talking to a friend and I was like, yeah. it seems like, you know, it's a, it's like a horrible time. It's uncomfortable for everyone. But then it kind of seems like a lot of the cement is now like wet mud again. And yeah, um, there's like an opportunity for radical change right now. That yeah. feels, yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this I, is like, is this what the 60s felt like? I don't know. <laughs> I think it did. I mean, I think they were allowed to go outside more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't have a pandemic. I don't yeah, think. But it is like, yeah, I, I do think um, we were raised in an era, especially as white people, where like the way we were taught about the civil rights movement is that it was over and that Martin Luther King won it single-handedly yeah and we didn't have to talk about it anymore or and do then anything he, else he sadly died i don't know how i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah and now it's like it's never i feel like it's never been more clear that we're still in the moment and that we're not in a moment that's beyond the struggles yeah and that we are we are doing the things we will be remembered for or not yeah and people are just uh, people are just fed up um yeah, in general, which is it's uh exciting and made makes yeah. Twitter like kind of a roiling like <laughs> cesspool yeah. for for good and bad. Um I uh I, I had a friend a uh, former friend called out uh this week and I my head is just still spinning about it. Um Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, a little bit, I think. Uh, Peter Meehan, who was the editor of Lucky Peach, who I worked with when I was a regular contributor there, um, and then took over the LA uh, Times food section, was called out for being really abusive um, and manipulative. And like just seeing um, all the people who worked with him like come out on Twitter and, and talk about what happened, I 
I just feel so angry. And like, I recognize so much of that behavior, like the manipulation, the fear of retaliation, the inappropriate behavior and crossing boundaries, the the appearing like really kind and generous to the right people, like all of that stuff. I've yeah. worked with people like that. And I feel like I've gotten better at spotting the red flags, but I just like wasn't close enough to know that's what was happening. Um, and yeah. I'm really devastated and I just feel so bad for all the people who had to go through that um, and didn't feel safe, like coming out about it until now. Um, yeah. That's awful. It's awful. Um, yeah. I yeah. hate it. Um, I think you and I too are both people who, um, because of the nature of like, first of all, how much power and privilege we have, but also because of how outspoken we are. I think that there are definitely people who will use that as a shield. Yeah. Like try to befriend us and treat us well. Yeah. In order to create the appearance of being an ally because we are such public people. Can you always tell? And because I, I feel like. No, absolutely not. It's so, it's so hard to tell. It's so hard. You know, most of the time I feel like I can. Like I can, I can tell when someone's a slime ball and when they're being like you know, obsequious for their own gain for the most part. But then in this case, I just really couldn't see what was happening. I just didn't know at all. Uh, I also think that there's like, yeah, it's not, it's not super black and white because I think a lot of the, obviously there are definitely people out there who are like serial abusers who have like mental health issues, who are broken people who will never be, who will never be well. Um, I'm not conflating having mental health issues with being broken. I just mean that, like, there are a bunch of factors that can make some people, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, and that gets complicated, I, too. Like it's- It gets complicated. But I also think that there's I, – I think I'm just trying to make a distinction between people for whom um, it's sort of, like, inevitable that they will harm and also people who have just internalized the society we live in, mm-hmm. who have internalized a sense of entitlement to – women's bodies or to people of color serving them or to their bodies or um and i think that i th- i think it can be hard to recognize those people too because they are the dominant society and i think we all have the capability to internalize those power systems or whatever like we're all capable of doing really terrible stuff and oh yeah it's not it's not always because you're a slime ball it's because you're like you have internalized what society is telling you and how do we treat those people? I think that's also really tricky. It's hard. I mean, one of the people in my past who is like very emotionally abusive had suffered abuse himself and was also dealing with mental illness. And so it's very hard to like pick apart what, what are we actually responsible for in our own lives? Like in our own actions, like, you know, yeah. Um, but But I just come back to like, it's just not okay to yell and scream and touch people <laughs> that you work with. Like, it's just never okay. And if that even yeah. begins to become an issue, you need to seek help. But like a lot of people like this just don't take any responsibility for what they're doing. Yeah, And you can see it in his apology. Like he apologized, you know, on Twitter before deleting his account. Um, and it's the worst apology ever. Like, it's just like, oh, you know, I had tunnel vision, I was committed to making something great. And I didn't, you know, and I don't think these allegations are true. And it was just like, denial and self-centeredness, like it was just. And playing into the whole like, 
uh, tortured genius yeah. narrative. It's that- like, no, I have, I'm totally like committed and work hard and I don't fucking do that shit to my collaborators. Like what the hell? That's not an excuse at all. Yeah. That's, that's bullshit. Um, yeah. And it's just irrelevant. It's irrelevant in an apology. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very um, like centering his own feelings about his way of yeah. working, which is like the whole problem. I think every time I sort of struggle with like, well, okay, what is culpability? It's like, no, the point is to support the victims. Like when these stories come out, it's like not about parsing. Like, yeah, it's like, how do we keep people safe? And how do we, I mean, we do need to like, look at how to change our own behavior and stuff. But like, our first thought should be like, how do you support the people who were pushed out? Right. And the fact is that he just left without any word to anyone and has so not crazy. not personally apologized to anybody. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to believe in like people's ability to be rehabilitated and to change for the good after recognizing these things in themselves. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really uh, disappointing. Yeah. I'm bummed about I it. I think I'm, uh similarly just in terms of like reckoning with my own experience being different than the experience of people of color yeah. in an institution that I was a part of um there's a reckoning happening at my high school right now Ooh. um which has been really fascinating to watch um there uh and I think this is happening and I went to like a very expensive private high school um in the bay area like a very liberal seeming but primarily white institution Mm -hmm. um, that is like a pipeline into the Ivy League. Like I went to UC (laughs) Santa Cruz and disappointed everyone. Um, And I was admitted as part of a quote unquote experimental class where they were like, maybe we'll get students that are like less academically achieving and more like well-rounded. And then they were like, we're not doing that again. Um, But, uh, (laughs) which is, but still like I was able to go there because of family money. So it's like, I still had access based on stuff that I didn't earn. Um, anyway. I'd say my high school is similar, except it was a public school, but it had a similar, like, pipeline. To- but, yeah, it was in a school district where, like, you had to sort of buy access to that. Well, yeah, yeah it was, like, the the high SAT scores, the, you know, it was all about oh. the, all that shit. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing that's happening at a lot of, a lot of institutions is, like, there are these... Um, anonymous Instagram accounts that are like black at blank. Yeah. Like black at this school. And one of those was created for my high school where people have been, and it's been up for less than a week. And there's just like so many stories from uh, students from, a lot of them are very recent. A lot of them date back to like times when I was there. They mention uh, other students being racist, but also like teachers and People who were there when I was there and who are still there and who are still doing some of the same stuff. And, like, um, it's been really – it's causing me to reflect a lot on stuff that I saw when I was there that I kind of was like, that's kind of weird, but oh, well. But realizing, like, well, I was able to, like, hear those comments and not be hurt. Mm-hmm. I was just thought it was weird and I judged the person who was saying them. But then other people were like, I carry that with me now yeah. because it was like directed at me. Um, and uh, like there was this dance teacher who like always made a really big deal about like making the dance students gel their hair before performances and talking about like black people's hair really explicitly no. when she did so. And then also saying like, well, and my hair's I'm I basically have black people hair. So like. 
just like, and I was like, I remember hearing that in high school and I had totally forgotten about yeah. it until I saw like, this is something she's been saying over and over again for like 20 years. It wasn't like a one-off. Um, anyway, all that stuff has been making me think about how I had such a great time at that high school. Yeah. And how so many other people left feeling like they never had a place there. Yeah. Um, and just making me think about like, I've gone back and like spoken. I spoke at graduation. I like spoke at an assembly and like, I feel like I... I left feeling like I got a great education, but then there were still like big gaps in my understanding. Anyway, uh, it's been it's been like interesting thinking to myself about like how how do I engage with this particular problem? It's an institution that I'm not a part of anymore. But and it also in the grand scheme of things, it's like, oh, well, this is like already that there's this is already a problematic institution because you buy your way in and it's like Mm -hmm. for very rich people and it's not a but I'm like, but I do have a little bit of power there. Like the administration of that school, like asks me to do stuff as an alumni a lot. Like I've spoke I spoke at graduation like I have the head of school's personal email address and she responds to my email when I, you know, have you emailed yet or or. Yeah, so I wrote to her this week just to be like, hey, like, because, you know, they hadn't formally reached out to the Instagram handle. They had, like, said, made some vague statements, and they had, I found out about it because of an email that they sent out to the alumni network being Mm -hmm. like, we're addressing what's going on. But, like, I basically sent an email being like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that, like, I'm, I'm writing to you to express my support for all of the demands that they are making. Um, to say that, like, I, um, think you need to reach out to them directly, and, um, I, it, it's making me think about the fact that I had a different experience than other people there. It's, I'm heartbroken and shocked by some of these stories, and then some of them are also bringing up memories that I just want to validate, like, that stuff happens there, and, um, I don't need you to write back to me because (laughs) there are other people you need to be writing to now, because that was the other thing was, like, it's, it's, it seemed like they were starting to reach out to some of the white alumni before they were reaching mm-hmm. out to the black alumni mm-hmm. who were sharing their stories. Yep. Um, and I was like, don't write back to me. Write to other people. Just know that I'm going to be watching how you handle this, as they, will many other alumni. It's because they see the white alumni as allies. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And I think, like, anyone who has power in this situation yeah. already has their voice heard. And so they're like, those are the people that we need to calm down. Um, but it's a, like to reassure yep. because, but it's like, I'm not the person you need to calm down. I'm like. seeing the same thing play out with the black at SVA, uh, Instagram, which I didn't go to the school of visual arts, but I have a lot of friends who taught there. A lot of, I know a lot of people who went there. Um, Is that at UCLA? No, or? no, no. That's in New oh. York. Uh, oh, in New York. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. But you know, I was part of the sort of illustrator circle there for a little bit. So I knew a lot of SVA people. Um, and this Instagram, like. It's been really interesting to see the stories come out. And then a lot of, like, um, people were jumping into the comments to defend. uh, Oh, God. Yeah, that's happening at my high school, too. They weren't Black people. So it was kind of like, you defending them is not helpful here. Uh, And, like, it just – I see this happen over and over again where people don't think that their friends could do anything bad or racist or sexist or – or, yeah. or you know, infect them with COVID, <laughs> frankly. Like, people just yeah. think that their friends won't hurt anyone. And so they jump into things like this and say, well, they've always been nice to me, or they've gotten me money and opportunity and connections. And it's like, yeah, that is how 
things like this continue to be a problem. Like that's how abusive yeah. people get to continue to thrive. That's how that's how viruses spread. Like it's just all of this. Like well, is and it's also like that's how people continue to be harmed because we see these conversations as a referendum on the innate goodness of the person who did harm yeah. rather than a an expression of need for support from the people who were harmed. Yeah. And it's they're they're not the same conversation, and uh, yeah, but it is it may I, it makes people really uncomfortable and defensive, and I think it's been like, it's I've been really like trying to lean into the discomfort that I feel around engaging in these conversations yeah. to the extent that I can. Um, it's hard. I mean, I think a lot about like what would happen if you know best friends or you know collaborators of mine were called out. Like, how would I respond? And yeah, it would be really painful. Um, it would. I mean, yeah, and I think that there's a way to, like, support people who are your friends while also, like, not dismissing yeah. what they're accused of. Yeah. I, I think people can change. I think people can make restorative actions. Yeah, I and think I so. Think, and I think that we should be, like, trying to, like, the people who are friends with people who get called out, it is kind of their responsibility but I also haven't put myself to that test. I know it would be really hard. I, I don't know if I would know how to handle it. I would love to hear from anyone who's listening who's had to deal with that. And I'd be curious to hear how you dealt with it. Yeah. I mean, when I when I heard about Peter, I immediately, like, responded to his his tweeted apology with, like, this is not, you know, this isn't good enough. It, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but we weren't super close, you know. He's more of an acquaintance. Yeah. I mean, like, I've definitely cut people out. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. <laughs> that's been a lot easier yeah, um, yeah. than it is to keep people, to call people in or whatever and to, like, be part of their transformation. or Yeah, to hold your friends accountable over and yeah. over again. Yeah. It's really uncomfortable. It's, yeah, it is. Um but so is shitting sometimes, and I do it every day. I do it every day. Several times a day. <laughs> Several times a day. Uh. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, you did debate um, when you were younger and, like, how that's probably helped you so much in, like, formulating arguments on the fly. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I wish oh, I, I... Thank you. <laughs> I, I just, uh, like, I, I feel like, you know, during times like this, it's just such a useful skill to be able to, like... Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, and it's also really useful in trying to it's it's an underrated skill in terms of how to listen to people. Oh, because huh. one of the things I, I would say probably the more valuable thing that I learned from debate is like how to hear what people are saying in terms of like there's an implicit sort of appeal to a value system underneath when people make arguments. And when you do debate, you make that explicit. Mm -hmm. So like I did Lincoln-Douglas debate, which is the format of Lincoln-Douglas debate is like at the beginning of your speech or your first speech or whatever, the case that you're making, you say like, my value for this round is social justice uh -huh. or like my value for this round is equality. You basically decide how it is you're judging whether something is good or bad pretty much. Mm -hmm. Like whether you're going to judge it in terms of, like, whether it is philosophically consistent or whether it creates the best outcome for the most people or, like, anything like that, you make explicit what it is that you value at the beginning of the round. You make an argument for why that should be the value. And then every argument that you make for the rest of the debate round, you relate it to that value. Mm -hmm. Like, you say, this is why this accomplishes 
you know, the greatest good for the greatest people. And that's something that I think we all do sort of subconsciously when we're talking. Like when we're talking about issues like this is like we talk about like, well, okay, we all want fairness. We want dignity for people. Like we want things like that. And I think that when people don't elucidate what the underlying value of what they're arguing for is like you're at cross purposes. Like if you and the person that you're arguing with have different values that you're appealing to with your arguments, Mm -hmm. you're not going to come to an understanding with each other. So you have to understand what the other person actually values behind what they're saying. Like one thing that's like a lot of people value like people being punished for being guilty above people not being punished for being innocent. And that's an important distinction that it's going to be hard to reconcile. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think debate helped me. I mean, I'm still not the best listener in the world. Obviously, I have ADHD, and that's <laughs> the hardest thing in the world. But it allowed me to. I think it helps me understand what other people how what what other people are arguing for in a way that I didn't before I started doing debate for sure. Yeah, I think it's great if you have kids who are thinking about taking debate. I strongly recommend it. I'm just bad at like eloquently phrasing my beliefs in a succinct way i find it really difficult it is difficult i mean i also will say like it's a lot easier to uh articulate stuff that's less personal to you yeah at least for me like we never had to debate anything that felt super like close to the bone oh that helps for me yeah i when, yeah, I, get, when I get emotional i start to just sort of yeah. like get caught up and then i trail off and i just yeah. Yeah, when I'm trying to explain to someone why I think women are people, I'm like, I don't know how to fucking explain this to you, moron, you know? Yeah, why should I have to? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's tricky. Uh, oh, boy. Serious um, stuff. Serious stuff. We haven't talked about anything silly yet, but I wanted to mention um, a couple things at the top here. Um, number one, I feel like really bad that I haven't brought this up in the last couple episodes, but I, and maybe I haven't, I forgot, but um, Peter and I started watching Columbo and I just need you to know that. Oh, you and Julie Klausner are both watching Columbo. I know. I'm so happy that there's someone else out there watching Columbo (laughs) who I can try and like share Columbo memes with so I can like see Columbo in my feed because otherwise it's one of the other things about quarantine that feels very lonely is like no one else is watching Columbo. Yeah, Uh, that's hard. (laughs) It is hard that not more people are watching Columbo. I feel like everyone right now is suddenly watching Hannibal and I don't know why. Is, oh, interesting. Something, I haven't heard that. Did something big happen in the Hannibal world? And that's why. <laughs> in the Hannibal verse? <laughs> yeah, Hannibal verse. I don't know. I've, I've never watched it. So I'm, I'm and I'm not, not sure. going to start. So um, we kind of started watching because um, we actually both read Danny Ortberg's oh. uh, or da- Danny Lavery's book. The book was published under the name uh, Danny Ortberg. Yeah. But, um, he goes by uh, Daniel Lavery now. But. Um, it's a great book. It's called Something That May Shock and Discredit You, which I didn't realize was a Simpsons reference at first. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a reference to when um, Lionel Hutz is in court and he, like, <laughs> Apu is on the stand and he's, like, uh, asking, he's, like, without looking, what color is my tie? And then he turns off and <laughs> turns around and takes a really long time taking his tie off. And he's, like, well, what would you say if I were to tell you something, something that may shock and discredit you? <laughs> Just, I am not wearing a tie, and his tie is, like, hanging out of his sleeve. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, 
there's a part in the book where he talks about like because he uh I, I hope I'm getting this right, because he was um undergoing uh why can't I think of the word for this? Uh hormone therapy. Yeah. As part of his transition. Mm-hmm. Um he was worried about his uh the impressions that he was able to do being going away because of his <laughs> voice changing. <laughs> but the one that he said that he could still do pretty well was Columbo. And since and uh and there were there was other stuff in Columbo, uh, stuff about Columbo in the book, and uh it made us both want to watch it. And I gotta say, I do a pretty good Columbo. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've not- I think it's a pretty easy impression to do, uh, but also you won't know if it's good if you haven't watched it. I haven't, but would you like to give us a taste? I would like to give you a taste. I think it's pretty good. It's okay. It's not good compared to other people's Columbo impressions, but it is good compared to my other impressions. Does that clarify how I feel about this? No, but please continue. <laughs> I just mean like <laughs> I'm not good at impressions for the most part. I can do like. I can do a pretty good, like, Alanis Morissette singing impression, and I think that's basically it. But any other impressions that I've ever tried to do, like, I can't do accents, I can't do impressions. Like, I'm not good at it. But this one, I'm like, this is just coming out of me, where he's just like, oh, one more thing, miss. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, what's that pain over there? (laughs) You should watch Columbo, because then you'll just be really delighted with that. (laughs) The main thing you need to know about Columbo is he's like, uh, uh, he acts like he's done asking questions and that he's about to leave. And then he turns around and asks one more question. He's like, <laughs> oh, one, oh, one more thing, uh, uh, sir. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Thank you very much. Please watch Columbo so you can uh, then re-listen to my impression. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Uh, it's really interesting because it's like, it started in the sixties at the end of the sixties and it went until like the nineties, uh, with big gaps and stuff. So there's like episodes that were directed by Steven Spielberg. What the fuck? Are there like a million episodes? There aren't as many as I would like. How many? The first season doesn't have that many episodes. I think it has like 10 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how many episodes the second season has. Peter's just pirating them. How many? (laughs) How many seasons are there? I'm not sure. I think there's actually only like 10 seasons, but it somehow spans like two and a half decades. Oh, so you only have like 100 episodes. I don't know. I don't, but I don't know if it's even that many. Yeah. But yeah. Um, wow. But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up. The other thing that I wanted to bring up um, that I honestly just found out right before we started recording Uh because I was searching my own name on, on Twitter. I'm, I'll admit it. And I saw a tweet that was like, we've updated the site with a birth chart for Emily Heller. Oh. And I was like, what? And it's like an astrology website that puts like celebrity astrology, like astrological signs up. Ooh. Uh, and so they put my chart up. How do they know what uh, time you were born? <laughs> they don't. And they're asking for that information. They're like, if anyone <laughs> knows what time. And I'm like, should I submit it? I actually have an astrological chart at my house that my parents made for me based on um but i have never gotten it analyzed i don't think but is their result accurate here well they didn't say anything really oh wait i actually haven't read it oh my god should i oh i should have read some of this okay well here's the first thing that i saw that made me want to talk about it here are the horoscopes having the same aspect venus conjunction mars 
Adolf Hitler. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Kanye West. Mahatma Gandhi. Cristiano Ronaldo. Vincent Van Gogh. Blake Lively. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Zendaya. Zendaya. Jennifer Garner, Carmen Electra, Amber Rose, Wendy Williams. These, I love that. These people are all identical in personality. <laughs> Blake Lively and Hitler, virtually indistinguishable. <laughs> um, that's, um, wow. But then, it, yeah, I haven't read the stuff about what it means. Um, oh, wait. Cheers for communication and mobility, Emily Heller. The predominance of air signs in your chart favors and amplifies your taste for relations and for all kinds of short trips. <laughs> You what do does that mean? Short trips, like to the grocery store or like what? I I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe they mean like stand-up comedy tours. Um, yeah, uh, there's a lot here. I should have really I, – I didn't scroll down before I brought this up. I really should have scrolled down. I thought that there was no real information. Um, but, uh, no, yeah. They're going uh, to tell you about you. Yeah, I, I guess I'll have to check in after I've really absorbed more of this information. Um, I te- but I so far it does not feel super accurate. Yeah. Like, okay, Emily Heller, you tend to hold emotions at bay as if they were dangerous. That is not true. That's not true. Uh, you <laughs> observe with curiosity what is occurring. That is also not true. And you strive, <laughs> and you, and you strive to objectively, logically, and impersonally analyze facts in order to form correct judgments. I like to pretend to do that. Uh, <laughs> contacts and communication are very important to you, Emily Heller. Okay, All right, uh, you sure. make. You, you make use of even overuse words. That is also that is true with we all deep do humor. That. Yeah, <laughs> with deep humor, because it is an additional way for you to be detached from your feelings. You may come across as superficial because you keep on talking without committing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> rude. Very rude. Yeah. Uh, you need to be constantly on the move to discover and to communicate in order to avoid boredom. When you are alone, you can spend lots of time with books <laughs> to nourish your mind. <laughs> That is so avid for knowledge. No, uh, I've been watching Just Shoot Me. Um, however, be ca- be careful not to miss feelings because you favor intellectual sensations. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I to be fair, they don't have my birth hour, so maybe it'll all change if I submit it. It all depends on the birth hour. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, I have something silly. Um, yes, please tell me something silly. Something silly. Tell me something silly. silly. <laughs> uh, I was looking at my Verizon bill, and I noticed they charged me twice for Apple Music this month. Two charges. <gasps> two charges for nine ninety eight. So I got on chat with customer service, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, we'll refund you one of those." And I suddenly was just like. I got this like Karen energy in me and I was like, <laughs> no, you should refund me an additional nine ninety eight and give me a free month of Apple music because I had to waste my time fixing this problem. And they were like, okay, sure. And I was like, Oh, oh wow. The power. Uh, and I just get the power. I get so mad when like a big company makes a sloppy mistake like that, because it's like, we shouldn't all be expected to look at our Verizon bill every fucking month. Like yeah. I just happened to look at it cause it seemed a little high and like, uh, and I'm going to look at my stuff. You should check it every month and see if it seems high because they will fuck you over. Uh, and I was telling a friend about this and she said, you're like benevolent Karening. 
This is like <laughs> parenting for the greater good is like getting that I want to speak to the manager energy. Yeah. I deserve more. Is this like a, uh, some kind of service that white women can use to um, – Yes. To ta- for reparations to, for people to, of color is like we will talk to the manager for you we and we will. will use our whitest voices. Well, I think when you when you like write an email to like, you know uh, – the head of a school or something. I think that that is Karening for the greater good. Hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's that like, I need to be heard, you know, uh, I have a complaint. I think, I think yes. that can be used for good. Yeah. My, my innate sense of entitlement to satisfaction yes. can be used for um, trying to force action from, the administration of a high school that I will never give money to. And I will siphon money from large corporations like Verizon at nine ninety eight at a time. And I will yes. donate it to BLM. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Wow. I can't wait for them to replace all the Confederate statues with statues of us for what we're doing. I know. We're... Uh... <laughs> I just need to sit and think about how great I am for a moment. <laughs> um, should we do Chunch Chat? Yes. It's time for Chunch Chat, a regular segment where we talk about any news in the world of Martha Stewart's pony, Chunch. Ben Chunch. When the clock strikes noon, we could have a picnic lunch, find wine full moon, and we're chatting about Chunch. Quickly, before we do Chunch Chat, I forgot to bring up another thing about Columbo. Well, first of all, <laughs> while you were in the bathroom, Rob said that my Columbo impression was very good. Um, <laughs> okay. But second of all, I forgot to mention that one of the things that came of me watching Columbo is that I commissioned my brother-in-law to make me a steamed hams video where Chalmers is Columbo. <laughs> Where it's basically the same scene, only before every question he asks, it pipes it. Uh, he also, in a Columbo voice, goes, uh, just one more thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's great. Um, I tweeted a link to it on my Twitter if you guys want to watch it. Um, that's all. We can do Chunch Chat now. It's time for Chunch Chat. <laughs> uh, okay. Kim Kardashian West tweeted some pictures of a Frisian horse. This is not about Chunch, by the way, but this is similar. Uh, This is related. Uh, It's about Frisians. It's about Frisians, which Martha has four of currently. Um, And her tweet was, meet North's, North is her kid, uh, Frisian horse. We have 14 gorgeous Frisians on the ranch. And it's her kid, North, standing next to this Frisian with a super long black mane. Uh, I'm just like, 14? 14 Frisians. And she doesn't know how to spell Frisian. She spelled it with two E's each time instead of an I-E. Um, like Big Fridia? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, <gasps> dude, Martha Stewart only has four at the moment. I mean, she's in the market <laughs> for two more. I saw in her comments she was asking someone if they had two six-year-old Frisian geldings because she wants to get more. Um, but, like, what what is it about Frisians that, like, rich people buy them and then they just fucking collect them? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's also very, like, Kim Kardashian's M.O. to be like, here's a culture I'm not a part of, horse culture. Yeah. I will now do it more extravagantly than anyone. Yeah. And even with long ties to horse culture like Martha Stewart. I also, I have Frisian opinions. I think it's, (laughs) I, uh, 
I think they're a little <laughs> bit just sort of like the horse that rich people decided were the fanciest horse to buy. And oh, so now because of the hair. Yeah. And they look stunning. Like they're tall and black and glossy and they have long hair, but like, now there's all these like wonky breeders who are breeding bad ones because they're just make tons of money and they can sell them because the people who buy them don't know what the fuck, you know, they don't know anything about confirmation. They're just like, I want a fancy horse. Um, yeah. And I find them impractical. They have long backs. I think they're too hot for to be <laughs> enjoyable for a lot of riding purposes. Like too hot temperature wise or too sexy? Uh, both. <laughs> they're just, they're too like... You know, they're too prancy. Like, you you know, it's hard to get a calm one. Yeah. Not not an ideal mount for a child in any case. Um, and there's just a Yeah, l- I mean, it's going to be a while before that kid can ride that horse anyway. I mean, it seems like the kid was riding the horse, but it just seems like... Oh, really? Yeah, but it's just too big for them. Um, and it, I just, there's just a lot of them out there, and they're just not the nicest... I don't know. And the people who have them are such snobs. Like, there's some people in the neighborhood I ride in who have them. And, like, they are so snobby and annoying. And they only started, like, greeting me politely when I got Junie because she's a purebred and they're purebred snobs. Oh, my God. Like, they used to turn up a nose at, like, you know, my teacher with her, like, rescue horses. So, they just suck. I don't like it. I don't like like it. it. I don't like it. So those are my Frisian opinions. Frisian people, come at me if you disagree. (laughs) Um, I know there's some nice ones out there. Like, I must say Martha's do seem nice. Um, (laughs) Gotta suck up to my queen. Uh, (laughs) Martha's always one of the good ones. Mm. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Oh, horse people. Oh, of course. You're people. incorrigible. Yeah. I I I feel like there's been like uh more sort of like mainstream horse people stuff happening. It's been really interesting. Yeah. It's like been in my feed more than it has been before. It's also like I thought when the quarantine stuff, you know, the pandemic hit that a lot of people would be getting rid of their horses, but I've actually seen a lot more people start to get into them. I think because they're just yeah. looking for shit to do and they're like, why not now? And so there's some new new people coming in. Which is cool. Yeah. People are getting more into all their hobbies in general, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, Does that conclude Chunch Chat? Yes. That concludes Chunch Chat. We will be right back with One on Fun. Oh, dear. One on Oh dear. Oh goodness. Oh goodness. Oh jeez. It's time for it's time for one on fun. Do we we never explain this segment. I I feel like it's uh, it's sort of self-explanatory. It's, it's explanatory. literally just the game is we just have to ask each other one question and it's somehow the hardest segment. It's almost as hard entire. as is what did we what did I learn? Which I <laughs> I always find to be the hardest part of the podcast. <laughs> Even though you get to go first in what did I learn? I know every it's time. always <laughs> grueling, humiliating. <laughs> I feel like I'm showing my whole ass every time. Yeah. Um, Lisa. Yeah. What is your most embarrassing story? How did I suddenly know you were going to ask that? Because you said you cued me up. You did sort of mind control where you said you talked about being humiliated. Um. 
I don't know. I walk around feeling humiliated kind of all of the time. So it's really hard to like pick apart like what was the most. Uh, I mean, I definitely had some like mortifying like pants wedding experiences when I was a kiddo. Yeah. Where it was like, oh, God, my like friend in first grade, Daphne, like would call me out so hard. She'd be like, Lisa Peter pants. And I was like, fucking Daphne, you bitch. We're friends. (laughs) How dare you? <laughs> Just let me walk around in my own piss. I used to do that all the time. Seriously. Also, Daphne- I would get so I would get so annoyed when people would try to stop me from walking around in my own piss all day. I know. It's like, just let me. I'm not hurting anyone. Okay, maybe it's smelly and weird. Yeah, it's definitely hurting other people and myself. It's definitely hurting everyone. But just let it happen. Let me learn my own lesson here <laughs> in my own time. Um, uh-huh. God. Fucking Daphne. Uh, <laughs> um. God, I just have so many, like, cringy moments that I don't even want to talk about. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, like, not sure I can remember any, like, embarrassing experiences that I don't delight in talking about now. You know? Like, I feel like I'm... Yeah. I mean, my most, like, my worst moments are when I accidentally said something hurtful that, like... Yes. Or someone took it the wrong way. And I'm like, no, I, I meant this. And then I didn't like get to explain in time. So they just walked away thinking that I meant A when I meant B. And like, yeah, yeah. That's, those, are those things are still painful, I think. Oh, I don't so know painful. if I, I, but I sort of put those in a different category of like not embarrassing, but like mortifying, maybe like different, yeah. slightly different. Um. Yeah, no, I can't think. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, Emily. What yeah. is your most expensive habit? Oh, that's a good question. My most expensive habit, probably gardening. <laughs> 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 like gardening and just like homemaking in general. Yeah. Like I spend a lot of money on my garden. Um and I hopefully that I, I get to a point where that's not the case because part of why I'm spending so much is I'm still like learning what works and what doesn't work and what I need and what I don't need. And so like it's more that like the costs that I'm incurring are like pointless where it's like I buy a thing that I won't ever use. Yeah. You know, and I don't realize I won't use it. Um, I do that so much with horses where I'm like I buy really? the thing that I think – will be the thing and then I don't it's not the right size and then I can't return it and I just bleh. yeah and like the thing that I use the most in my garden maybe is like a bucket <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's truly like the most important thing you can have as a gardener is just like same, a bucket same with horses like the that bucket always comes in handy <laughs> yeah uh and but yeah other than that I'm like I, I so yeah I will say and just buying plants has been really expensive like I've placed so many orders of just like so many just because I have like a landscape to fill in yeah yeah you've got, and, you've got some space and I've just like let stuff die that I shouldn't have killed I, um, I thought you were gonna say you know collecting uh vintage Ferraris you know because you do that oh, as right. well but yeah most of those are donated <laughs> They're rescue Ferraris. Yeah, they're um, they're just given to me by sort of my benefactors because they want um, <laughs> they want me to have them for my various. I was just thinking of because uh, uh, Peter, my husband, went kind of like viral in a bad way recently. Oh no! Like, what did he do? Well, because he he found this picture of a 
like a police Lamborghini parked in oh, a, yes, in I a saw handicap that. spot. That was so funny. And and he posted it being like, this is the official car of defund the police. Yeah. Um, and uh, it got retweeted so many times. And then everyone in the comments was like, this car was donated to the police department. So they're not even spending their budget on it. And it's like. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? You should still defund the people who are getting Lamborghinis given to them. Yeah, for that's free. not great. Like, <laughs> that's not. It's like if you're if you have one dollar to spend on a public service, are you going to give it to the homeless shelter that has no Lamborghinis or to the police that have free Lamborghinis? <laughs> like it's still an argument for defunding the police, in my opinion. But it was one of those things where like he he does not have a ton of followers, but every so often he will go viral with something yeah. and get, like, the most annoying responses in the world for just, like, weeks and weeks on end. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. What does he what do? Does thinking. he just turn off his uh, mentions? He'll mute the thread. Um, yeah. And, you know, but mostly he'll just get mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he will just experience the bad emotions that come from it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm... I'm glad I'm not, you know, the only one who does. It. I, I was somehow I thought maybe Peter was immune. No, he gets really annoyed. <laughs> yeah, it's really annoying. Um, yeah, and it's just sort of like it's such a disruption of how his his normal Twitter experience, which is he tweets like a stupid joke that two people click like on. <laughs> Twitter sucks because what the more successful you are at it, the worse it gets. The for worse you. it feels. Yeah. Yes, the worse of an experience it is. Yeah, why the fuck? Yeah. What a terrible um, game. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible game we're playing. Um, yeah. I Have you been on Twitter more or less? More. In the last, yeah. More. I took it off my phone. I took it off my phone, but then I started looking at it in the phone browser. Yeah. That's like. But, but I, would, I still do that sometimes, but I do it less. Yeah. It's just like pure addiction for me. Yeah. And it makes me feel um, bad. But I'm like, you know, isolated and bored, so. Yeah. I want to see what's happening. I really need to start a new embroidery project so I have something else to do with my hands when I'm sitting around. Yeah. Because it's been a while since I've had something like that, and I think that will really help me not be on see, social I'm, media. See, I'm fucking writing, so of course, like, every 20 minutes, I have to take a break from oh, writing yeah. to look, you know, to, to name search and see if I've been canceled yet. <laughs> 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 it's only a matter of time. Um I think I'm I think I'm okay with being audited, honestly. Yeah. I'm not a great person, but I don't think I've hurt anyone too terribly. I hope. I, I hope don't know. I haven't. We'll see. I, <laughs> I'm sure I hope I haven't. I keep thinking like I'm sure there's people who've worked on shows I've worked on that had a really bad time and I just that sucks. But not all of it is under my control. I don't know. I think as long as like I mean, I'm I'm not trying to excuse any behavior, but I do feel like I've definitely been a bitch. I just hope that people know <laughs> yeah. that it's not because of I, – I hope that I have not been a bitch in ways that make people feel singled out for yeah. um, their race, sexuality, gender identity, um, I'm gender, an equal opportunity like bitch. <laughs> I'm not even an equal opportunity bitch. I'm just only a bitch to people I think are stupid. Is that fair? <laughs> um i'm a bitch to you if i don't respect you is that (laughs) no i don't know i try to be gentler every every year that i work with other people i think i think gentleness is a very good quality to have 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, you've had ex- an experience that I have not, which is you've been someone's boss. Yeah. I haven't. I don't think I've done that yet. I'm very uncomfortable um, with it. I think, um, and I, I think I should always be uncomfortable with that, with that power. Yeah. Like I, I often forget that I'm the boss, um, but I think I should always try to remember it because it changes how people uh, act around me. Yeah, in ways that you will like never be able to correct for. Yeah, like, fully. Yeah, um, and but it, but a lot of it is just I have to be the first person to start an uncomfortable conversation. I have to bring up the a thing that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, that's a yeah. big part of it, and th- yeah, just gentleness. Gentleness is important. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, does that conclude one on fun? Yeah. <laughs> that concludes one on fun. We will be right back with Wiki of the Week. We know everything, baby I started listening to Ono Ross and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Oh No, Ross and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank, Thank you, Ross, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. Welcome to Wiki of the Week. Um, this week's Wikipedia page is not a Wikipedia page. What? It is a it is a fun list that I feel like is akin to a Wikipedia page that we would do. And I also just like we but just liked it and we wanted to cover it. This is not like you should guys should still mo- focus on sending us Wikipedia pages. But um, on on a rare occasion, we will we will cover a non Wikipedia page for Wiki of the Week. It was sent to us by Dana O'Donnell. Thank you. Um, thank you for this. I just realized um, it's on the Clue website, and Clue is a period app I use. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I tried to use it, but it doesn't really work if you have an IUD. Yeah, because it's based on your bleeding. Right, but, right. Um, it, it is the art. The article is top euphemisms for period by language. This is from. I guess it's from March 2016. Um. And so Clue is an app that you use to track your menstruation. Yeah, I use a couple of different ones, but Clue is one I use. Yeah. None of them are perfect. You, yeah. But it helps None me. Of them are perfect. It helps me know when shit's going down. Yeah. It's been have you been having a hard hard time or easier time tracking your cycle while in quarantine? Uh about the same, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting it soon. And yesterday, Adam was like, are you having your period more often in quarantine? Because I feel like you were just on it. Now you're about to get it again. I'm like, I know. That's true. I think time is just moving quickly in some ways. I think that's part of it, too. Like, where it feels like stuff that I know happens at regular intervals feels like it's happening too often. Yeah. Like, we, you know, we clean our house, like, twice a week. Like, we do our chores. Or every other week, I mean. And... I've just been like, there's no way it's been two weeks since I cleaned the floors. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> but it has. Uh, 
Every day just, feels longer, but then time in general feels like it's moving quickly. I don't understand yes. it. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So these are divided by language. And I guess, okay. Um, they said, last week we published the findings of our international period survey. With the help of our international community, <laughs> we discovered over 5,000 euphemisms for the word period and a ton of interesting stats about education and cultural norms around menstruation. Many of you reached out and asked if we could share more of the euphemisms we found. Here they are. So so should we – I think we should maybe just read the English because trying to read the language is – Well, if you uh, – yeah. Oh, you mean just like when we – just the English translations? Yes, perhaps. Yeah. Unless it's um, – some of yeah, them are unless fun it's to say. Sa- unless it seems like we can say it. Yes. Uh, All right. Okay, start. German? Yeah. There's Strawberry Week. <laughs> Red Aunt. <laughs> Red Army. Uh, more str- refers to the army of Soviet Russia or the Soviet Union. Uh, Strawberry Week again. Red, <gasps> Strawberry Week again, yeah. Red Wave, Red Week. Red Aunt is visiting. Besuch der Roten Tante. That's how you say Red Aunt is visiting in German, apparently. I like that. After yeah. Rotenwelle surfing, riding the Red Wave. Um, Emma. <laughs> Emma. Just a name. Just, just a name. I like this one. Alarmstufrot. Code Red Alarm. <laughs> the red plague aunt rose is visiting besuch von tante rosa uh besuch aus rotenburg a relative from rotenburg or red castle a small town in germany <laughs> i've got visitors from the red castle this week so uh <laughs> i'd be like wait what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> uh entering the red sea and tomatensaft, tomato juice. <laughs> Gross. Uh, okay, French. Um, I'm not going to try and read the French. Okay. Uh, grumbling. That yeah. sounds uh, accurate. Yeah. Uh, Le Samain ketchup. Ketchup week. <laughs> that's amazing to me. I love ketchup week. That's perfect. The way, yeah, that's accurate. I thought that's the French. so funny. I thought the French hated ketchup. Am I. I mean, maybe they do, and this is an expression of uh, misogyny. Yeah, maybe. I remember when we went there when I was young, my mom was like, do not ask for ketchup for your fries. I'll be so embarrassed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're supposed to eat them with mayonnaise or other kinds of sauces. Sure. Um, but they like curry ketchup. Yeah. All right. C'est uh, une scène de crime dans ma culotte. It's a crime scene in my panty. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like this the way Ralph Wiggum would describe getting a period. <laughs> um les écœurs, it means angle bracket. The joke is that you always carry your angle bracket and ruler together to math class. Ruler which has the same spelling and sound as reg which means period. Oh, okay. That's so complicated. Yeah, that's that one's rough. The, you know, yeah. some humor just doesn't translate. And um, yeah. <laughs> I think French is particularly hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> C'est la saison de, fr- de fraises. It's strawberry season. <laughs> that one's nice. <laughs> Le Beaujolais Nouveau est arrivé. 
the Beaujolais Nouveau wine has arrived. <laughs> Beaujolais Nouveau Day is marked in France on the third Thursday in November with fireworks, music, and festivals to celebrate the first wine of the season. Beaujolais is a light and young red wine. <laughs> oh, my period is not light or young in any way. Um, <laughs> or red, really. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's like tar. Um, <laughs> Mine's green. Should I see a doctor? No, Ooh, I'm just yeah, kidding. Definitely. I, I don't... I don't bleed because um, uh, I have an IUD. Les Anglais ont débarqué dans ma culotte. The British Army landed in my panty. <laughs> this is related to the Napoleonic Wars and the undesirable arrival of the English who wore red uniforms. So this actually works perfectly well. Um, VHS or vaginalement or service or VOO, vaginally out of order. The abbreviation VHS stands for home video system or video home system and is common in France. Les carottes sont cuites. The carrots are cooked. It means there's nothing <laughs> left to do to change the course of events. Carrots are the longest and always the last vegetable to be cooked in a stew. It also refers to the coded message sent via BBC radio during World War II to tell the resistance of the upcoming invasion of Normandy. What the hell? Wow. So it's like, okay, so there's nothing to do to change the course of events. So, like, you can't get pregnant because you're on your period? Like, yeah, well, the carrots are cooked. I love how tied into their history all of this is it's yes. like yeah i remember when those guys arrived in normandy we yeah there are there anything <laughs> there i mean i guess we'll get there but i don't think that there's anything like that in america i don't think so yeah um <laughs> le petit clown qui sent dunez the little clown with a nose bleeding oh i hate that oh i hate that <laughs> i don't like uh, french clowns i just don't like thinking about um <laughs> Uh, control technique, technical control. Okay. It's a little strange. Um, être un travaux, to be under construction or a work in progress. I don't like that either. Yeah. I don't like what that Fa implies. <laughs> Faire du boudin, cooking black pudding. There we go. Uh, there we go. Now we're talking. Accurate. Les petits lutins rouges, the small little elves. Ew. Ugh, what? Yeah. What are they doing? How are they involved? <laughs> Yeah. Le chute du Niagara, Niagara Falls. Oh, interesting. Appropriation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do they think happens at Niagara Falls? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Italian. Italian. Le miracos. I have my things. Yeah. Can you imagine saying that when you're on your period? Um, I have my things. I have my things. Uh, <laughs> la mia cosa. Il marchese. The marquis. Okay. The marquis. <laughs> Oh, it's like saying, I have the marquee right now. Sono arrivati i parent, la zia, or gli espiti. We have guests, an aunt, or relatives. <laughs> e arrivato Giorgio Mario Ugo Smeo. Giorgio Mario Ugo or Smeo has arrived. <laughs> That's just if you say any Italian name and they've arrived, yeah. it could be your period. Well, maybe there's a significance to those four particular names. Maybe. Giorgio. Yeah. I, I would not call my period Giorgio. Giorgio, yeah. <laughs> Mar Rosso, Red Sea. Sono indisposa, I feel sick. A, I guess that's a euphemism. <laughs> it's pretty vague. Semaforo Rosso, Red Light. Okay. El quel periodo del mese, it's that time of the month. Sure. I'm surprised that wasn't one in France, but okay. I know. Settimana Rosa, Red Week. Paloncino Rosso, Red Balloon. <laughs> Holy inundazioni. I have a flood. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. In Danish, 
Death Road, the red. Aunt Red. Why is it always aunt? It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess because that's like someone who would visit who you would maybe like it. It works as a euphemism because like it's someone who would visit who you wouldn't introduce to people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Damadaji, Lady Days. There's the Red Sea. Visitors, Visitors from Rodby. Yeah, from Rodby. That time of the month. Painters in the stairway. Oh, I like that. <laughs> painters in the stairway. There are painters in the stairway right now. Wow. That's haunting. Yeah. Um, this one is Road Badescity or Beetroot Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like a portmanteau that we can't understand. Yeah. In English, it's a little too like straightforward for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I like this one. Communister in Lususet. Communists in the gazebo. <laughs> So I'm I'm a gazebo, yeah. and there's reds inside. Yeah. Well, your uterus is a gazebo, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. And my um, the the shoot, you know, is kind of like the promenade. Yeah. This is my vagina monologue. Is I'm going to talk about my gazebo my, and other architecture. My gazebo. <laughs> my rose garden. <laughs> God. Yes. Um. And then Rusern, the Russians. I call mine a basket house. <laughs> Martha Stewart's Basket House, yes. specifically. Um, all right. So there's two sections for Chinese. One is simplified Chinese and one is traditional Chinese. We can't read the Chinese, obviously. So we'll just read the English translations. Um, I'm fluent in reading Chinese. No, I can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> simplified Chinese. Uh, eldest aunt. The thing comes. I love that. <laughs> the thing. Regular holiday. It is a regular holiday. Yeah. Bad luck. That comes. That comes. Good friend. Old friend. M arrives. Special situation. And not convenient. <laughs> I agree. It never is. Yeah. Okay. Traditional Chinese. We've okay. Got red tea. I love that. Regular holiday. That thing comes. Little red. Big auntie. <laughs> <laughs> Good friend. Apple bread. Mm. What does that one mean? I don't know. I love that. Okay. M period comes. Bloody Mary. Woo-hoo. And then relatives. Okay. Now we've got Japanese starting with the monthly things. The monthly things. Girls day. <laughs> <laughs> and then that. Just that. That. Um, and then also the day of that. <laughs> oh, one day. Jesus. Uh, guest. Blood festival. Fuck yeah. I love the- <laughs> Is that even a- That's not a- That's the opposite of a euphemism. It's an exaggeration. <laughs> I love the really vampiric sounding ones. Yeah. Uh, once a month. Blue day. Girls day. Arrival of Matthew Perry. Excuse me? What? <laughs> what? I need explanation for this one. Is that like- eh. What? Is it because it's your friend? Is that like, you know, like a, you know, so you have like old friend, new friend, and then Matthew Perry's a friend. So, and he starts with M. So it's sort of like a, it's almost like a Cockney, like. <laughs> oh, wait. No, it's not about Matthew Perry from Friends. Aw, I'm it's disappointed. About Ma- it's about Commodore Matthew Perry who opened Japan to the West in the 1800s. Oh, I'm stupid. I'm so disappointed. I'm, I'm also so, stupid. I, al- I think it should just be Matthew Perry from I Friends. I think it should be Matthew Perry. Could I be on my period anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, they really love Friends <laughs> in Japan. I didn't know. <laughs> 
Um, okay, Spanish. La, la regla, la, the rule. Uh, Andres, el que viene una vez por mes. Andrew, who comes once in a month. Rhyme. Oh, it's because like Andres rhymes with mace. Yeah. Okay. Estoy indispuesta. I'm indisposed. Estar del tomate, be like a tomato, means being crazy. <laughs> Cosas de niñas chicas, girl stuff. Descongelar del bistec, defrosting the steak. Ew. <laughs> That's fucked up because the juices That's are coming. Up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Caperucita Roja, Little Red Riding Hood, or Little Red Ridding Hood. I don't know. I think it's Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Seems like a typo. It's just misspelled. Yeah. La Colorada, the redhead. Uh, me bajo, me vino, it came down. Tus diablos, your devils. Uh, estar mala, estar sonada, being bad or broken. La Prima Roja, the red cousin. Pancho, a male nickname, it also means hot dog, and could refer in some country to the pad. <laughs> Pancho could kind of just be anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> La Luna, the moon. <laughs> Semaforo Rojo, red traffic light. Chapulín Colorado, a Mexican character, the red grasshopper. Huh, okay. El Vampiro, the vampire. There we go. <laughs> Huele a pescado, smells like fish. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, <laughs> Russian, these days, critical days, business, <laughs> red army, red day, days of the calendar, guests from Krasnodar, name of a city <laughs> that starts with red, <laughs> holidays, red ziguli, a Russian car brand, monsters, and menses. All right. Okay, Russian. Pretty straightforward yeah. there. Um, and then finally, Portuguese. Uh, Chico, nickname for the male name Fran Francisco. I don't know why. Naqueles Dias, in those days. Hoga uh, o Benfica. Benfica plays, Portuguese football club with a red flag. Oh, oh I like that. I like that too. Regra, the rule. Oh, tempo de mes, uh, the time of the month. Monstra, a female monster. Uh, Vermeljo, red. Epoca, era. Hmm. De visita, visiting. <laughs> Coisas de mujer, women's stuff. <laughs> Sinal Vermeljo, red traffic light. Mistraco, mixing. It's a word game with a menstraco word. Okay. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. Okay. Estar de bode, being bad. Estar de boy alludes to the sacrifice of the ox in the slaughterhouse. Oh. Que oh. bru bachia, broke basin. Ooh. Time, Ooh. team. Huh. Team. Time? Time? Okay. Tavindo, tadesendo, it's coming down. Mare vermelha, red tide. Chovendo na horta. It's raining in the farm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, God. I just really love this. Are there any uh, new ones that you think you'll be using? I mean, it's weird because I don't tend to euphemize my period. Right. I tend yeah. to just be straight up with what's happening. But, I, yeah, um, I tend to just say I'm having my period. I don't feel the need to, to hide yeah. it. But I really like defrosting the steak. Yeah, that one's really evocative. It's really fucked up. Um, what about you? I love painters in the stairway. Uh, I don't yeah. think anyone would know what the fuck I was talking about if I said that. Yeah. 
Communists in the gazebo is really good too, because I like how permeable it makes the whole um, uh, female reproductive system seem. Yeah, you can just get right in there. Yeah, um, I would be interested if there are any like uh, culturally specific uh, euphemisms for like when trans men have their periods. Yeah, I would wonder if there are any like community-specific nicknames that uh, anyone would feel comfortable sharing with us because I would love to hear them, if so. Yeah, I wonder. Because a lot of these are very, um, yeah, like uh, gender essentialist, I guess, or uh, uh, cis-centered. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I you, also... Yeah, you can be a woman and not have a period ever. And- yeah. Um, oh, but the English ones that we didn't read because they weren't in the thing, um, in English, Crimson Wave, Mother Nature, Lady Time, Aunt Flo, Time of the Month, On the Rag, Shark Week. Yeah, Shark Red- Week. <laughs> Shark Week's good. Red Tide, Code Red, Monthly Friend, Having the Painters in, Bloody Mary, and Blob. I've never heard Blob, and I've never heard Having the Painters in. Yeah. Neither have I. That doesn't really make sense because it's not like anything's going in and you're not, it's, it's all coming. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's already been painted. Like the paint. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't make sense for me. On flow is a good one. I like that one. That's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sending us this. Uh, really appreciate it. And, um, Dana also sent it, um, a very good picture of a very good dog. Aw. Who is a, a pillow baby, just like my my baby Alan. <laughs> um, well, uh, that concludes Wiki of the Week. It's time now for What Did I Learn? What did I learn? Lisa, what did you learn today? Uh, I learned that Matthew Perry in America is different from Matthew Perry in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> that means different things. Yeah, they have a different Courtney Cox, too. <laughs> Do they have a different Jennifer Aniston as well? Do they have like no. everything's just different? Like all these people are are politicians and <laughs> yeah, people who have um, altered the course of Japanese history. Yeah, well, um, well, our Matthew Perry has altered the course of my history. Yeah, to make you hornier. That's right. <laughs> um, and today I learned. Um, and I didn't learn this from the podcast particularly, but just from the fact that Rob, our producer's background, is the Property Brothers with a third uh, Property Brother that I didn't know they had who looks like Pete Wentz. I always um, forget. I always forget about that. Yeah. Um, he's really so, striking in appearance. Yeah. He's got real emo hair. Um, Wasn't one of the Property Brothers dating someone famous recently? Zoe Deschanel. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. Oh, my sure. God. Yeah. Wow. Um, famous people are weird. <laughs> famous people are really weird. When I The first time I went to the Emmys, of the two times I've gone to the Emmys, I saw one of the Property Brothers introducing himself to Henry Winkler. Wow. It was a real meeting of the minds. Um, <laughs> that's our show. Uh, do we have any anything, any other business to attend to before we wrap things up? I don't think so. I'm not going to do butt pics this time. Uh... I am going to thank our producer, Rob Para. Thanks, Rob. I'm going to thank our uh, composer, Nate Heller. I'm going to thank you, Emily Heller. 
Hey, thanks, Lisa. I thank you as well. And um, thanks to, oh, I also really quickly wanted to mention uh, one thing that we tried to do on the last episode that Lisa didn't know about, but was I tried to get a cameo for Lisa's birthday from Seaburns, <laughs> from, from the circle, um, from the circle. Uh, and he refused to do my cameo. What did you ask Perhaps, him to say? I don't remember, but I think I maybe asked him to talk about his period because oh, on the show, on the he show. was like, yeah, it really hurts in my side. Yeah. Um, but he refused to do my cameo. So I just wanted uh, everyone to know that that happened. I, um, I appreciate the thought. <laughs> that went into this. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. We love you very much. Uh, take care. Stay safe. Take care. Wear a mask. We love you. Bye. Bye. And goodbye. Yay. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Hi, this is Sarah, and I'd like to tell you about Dr. Game Show. Dr. Game Show is a band of geniuses or nerds or brilliant artists or kids or some combination of all of those who get together to make a show like no other that's family-friendly. It's an interactive call-in game show podcast. When I found Dr. Game Show, I found joy. I told my friends and family that if they weren't listening, they were wasting joy. I sent them the episodes that made me laugh until I cried, played it for them in the car. They laughed too, laughed their butts off, but they still don't listen on their own. So they're wasting joy. And I keep looking for someone to understand me. Maybe it's you. Give Dr. Game Show a listen and find joy. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.